The past uh, few days, I was um, in lower northern Michigan. I went up to Burt Lake, where a friend of mine, uh, Steve Ebling, has a cabin. And Steve, a mutual friend of ours, John and myself, uh, the three of us, all three pastors, we gathered for a few days uh, just to be together. And the picture I've put up on the screen, I woke up on Thursday morning early and went out on the back deck and, and just took a picture of the lake. And it was really just a gorgeous place to be. The trees were uh, in, in full color and it was uh, just a wonderful display. So on my way home, I'm driving through Mancelona, Michigan. I didn't know about Mancelona, but I found a billboard there. Maybe you've seen this billboard before. I, it made a mental note in my mind that, I, um, I, that it probably would connect a little bit with our sermon this morning. I came home and I googled it, and it turns out that it's actually in a number of communities. Um, where are you going? Heaven or, or hell? And I'm guessing that, that it's uh, probably been a meaningful billboard to some people, that maybe some people look at that I'm not sure what actual impact the flames have on people, but um, it present I did find out online as well that there is a version of this sign that says, where are you going, heaven or Ohio? Um, I'm guessing Michigan and Ohio have an issue. Um, this morning, as part of what we're going to do, we're going to explore an interesting answer to this question. Where are you going? Let's first do a review. We're in our series, Wanting God. In fact, this is indeed the last Sunday of that series. Uh, our thought is that, you know, to say that we want God would then also have that parallel with it, that if we want God, that we would then want the things that God wants. To want God is to want the things that God wants for our lives. And so we looked at Micah 6, 8, what does God require of you but to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with God? We looked at Mark 12, 29 through 31. What are the greatest commands? And Jesus said, well, love God with all of who you are and love your neighbor as yourself. We looked at Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and where Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, turns to his disciples and he says to his followers, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And behold, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And then just last Sunday, we looked at Romans 12, uh, 1 and 2, where we found that there was this appeal that Paul had made uh, to the Romans, uh, to the Roman church. He said, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, for this is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the ways of this world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you might be able to prove what the will of God is, the good, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So to want God is to want all of those things. To want God is to want what God wants. What if we could have one verse to unite them all? A little bit different than the ring, the, the ring of power, the one ring to uh, rule them all. This is a verse that doesn't rule over them, but unites them all together. I think we find that in our text for today. 
Our title is going to be Embracing the Godly Life. If we were to take all those things that God calls us to and we were to apply them to our lives, it would be living the godly life, a life full of the things that God wants. Our text is Colossians 3, 17. And if uh, you would, if you wouldn't mind, I invite you to stand. Let's go ahead and stand together. And, and would you join me in reading this passage this morning? Let's all read the verse together. Hear the word of God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Please be seated. May God bless the reading of his word, and may God bless us as we um, learn his word and live his word. All right, so here's what we're going to do today. We're going to have uh, three points, truth, treacheries, and treasures, truth, treacheries, and treasures, and three pauses. I know what you might be thinking, Bob, that's six points. What are you doing? To no, it's three points and three pauses. All right, so uh, let's make our way through them. And we're actually going to begin with pause number one. You ready for pause number one? Here's what we're going to do during this pause. Let's simply agree on the meaning of Colossians 3.17, at least that first half of it. Let's agree on the meaning of that. I love the simplicity of an exit sign. You just look at it, and it just tells you straight up, exit. There's no little details. There's no little extra information. Leave all of your stuff in your bench and then make your way through this door. And if you don't find an exit right away, look for another exit. It does, none of that stuff. You know, when you buy pharmaceuticals and paint, they have something in common. When you go to look for the directions, the directions are buried under a ton of other information. And you're scrambling around trying, but an exit sign is so clear and concise. I think that's what we find in our passage. Let's look at the words. Whatever, in word or deed, everything. If we look at those three uh, uh, groupings of words, whatever, the word whatever, the, the little phrase in word or deed, and then the word everything, we get a picture of what is being talked about in this verse. In fact, in the original language, it would read more like this, all you do in word or deed, do all, 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 everything, do. In fact, if you were to look at the King James Version of this, uh, of this verse, it, it, it reads like this, whatsoever ye do. Who knew the King James Version was the pirate version as well? Aye, whatsoever ye do, do it all in the name of Jesus. So you might ask, well, does this mean Saturdays? Am I supposed to do Saturdays in the name of Jesus? Yes. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything, even on Saturdays. How about TikTok? Am I supposed to do TikTok in the name of Jesus? Well, some of you I know don't have TikTok and, and, and maybe you're more of a Twitter person or maybe you're an Instagram person or maybe you're a Facebook person or maybe you're a MySpace person or, or maybe you're that old Bell telephone landline stuck on the wall person. Whatever we do, whatever our social pattern is, whatever our social media format is, do it all in the name of Jesus. What if we're a teacher? 
or we work in a, in a hospital, or, or we work as an engineer, or, or we're a pastor, or, or whatever it is. Are, are we supposed to do it? Yes, everything. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. Every word, every action, sleep, wake, eat, exercise, play, work, retire, talk, email, text, all, everything, all. And we do it in the name of Jesus. We do it in the name of Jesus. And the basic understanding, we've talked about it before, when you walk in someone's name or when you live in someone's name in the biblical culture, that is to align your life with them. There's this extra nuance, too, that we would do it to Jesus' glory, that we would also do it empowered by Jesus, in alignment with Jesus, to Jesus' glory, spurred on by Christ. What all that kind of boils down to then is that if we're doing whatever, all of our words, all of our actions, everything, then we're giving people an opportunity to see Jesus in us. As we learn and grow more into doing everything, all, everything in Jesus' name, we give people an opportunity to see Jesus in us. And so we could even say that wanting God is then to want people to be able to see Jesus in us. And so we act justly, love mercy, walk humbly, love God, love our neighbor, make disciples, present ourselves as living sacrifices, that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind so that people might see Jesus in us. So when we pause to look at the meaning of 317, whatever you do, everything, everything in Jesus' name, that others would be able to see Jesus in us. All right, if that's pause number one, let's go and talk about truth. Today's truth in our text answers the question, why? Why should I even want others to be able to see Jesus in me? Why should I want to live this way? There's something I inherited from my dad. There's a number of things I've inherited from my dad, but one of the things is my dad hates to wear something with a logo on it. His, his philosophy, his reasoning has always been, listen, if they want me to advertise for their company, they should give me the clothes for free or pay me to wear their clothes. And then I'll walk around advertising for them. But if I'm buying the material, why should I advertise for the company? I know some of my clothes have labels on them, have the maker's name on the front, and um, it's almost just impossible to be able to buy something without having something labeled on it. Well, maybe there are times when we don't want to be labeled as a Jesus follower. Maybe that's how we feel about Christ. And so when, he, when we read something like whatever you do, everything you do, all that you do, all your words, all your action, let it be done in the name of Jesus, we want to push our own pause button. We think of Peter and we identify with Peter in the courtyard. You know, after Jesus was arrested and there's Peter in the courtyard and he's uh, being pointed out, you're one of them, aren't you? You're one of his followers. Three times, you're one of his followers. No, no, no. And maybe that's where we find ourselves. 
as well. Well, here's the truth which I believe can speak into our moments of hesitation, of wanting to distance ourselves. There's an interesting thing that takes place in Colossians that verse 17 actually connects with the first four verses of the chapter. And so they kind of function like bookends to what goes in between. You have the first four verses and then verse 17, and there's a a connection of content between them. So let's jump up to um, Colossians uh, 3, verses, uh, verse 1a, so the first part of verse 1, and then also verse 3. You'll see it on the screen. It reads like this, if then you have been raised with Christ, then there's some words, and we get down to verse 3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, in this little pairing of words that what we find here is something old and something new. Something old. For Paul, it's right in the middle. For you have died. See, Paul has talked on this before. He's written about it to other churches. We know in Galatians 2.20, Paul says about himself, for I have been crucified with Christ. I have died with Christ. Or we can look at Romans 6.8. We have died with Christ. He said this before. He's written it elsewhere. But in our passage, we have something new. He also writes here, if then you have been raised with Christ. If then you have been raised with Christ. There's a, a, a thing going on in this text where the way that the grammar works, it, it, it can say if and yes, you have been. In other words, some translations will even say since you have been raised with Christ. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Our true domain, our true domain is already in heaven. It's our true address. Where are you going? If the billboard asks you, where are you going? A possible answer is if you're a follower of Christ, you can go, I'm already there. My life is already hidden in Christ, in God. I have been raised with Christ. Now, we are not two different people. It's not like there's two different souls that one day hopefully will come together and and unite as though there's some kind of a separation that's taken place in us. But it's like what we've talked about before, that there's this prophetic future where, where there's something that's so guaranteed, that's so accomplished, that Jesus' work on the cross is so definitive that we've already been raised from death to life and that our life is already hidden in Christ in God and that our domain is already the kingdom of heaven, heaven itself, even as we live here. It's that old already and not yet that's been taking place. The the already that Jesus has accomplished and because his work is so effective, it's as good as done. And yet there's that not yet that we continue to wait for. The work of Christ is so sure, so valid, so powerful that we can count on it. And so here's the why of doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus you are already a citizen of heaven. You represent everything about heaven. Your life is hidden in Christ even as you sit here in this room. 
There used to be this phrase, twiddling your thumbs. I don't know if people still use twiddling your thumbs. That people, it used to be that if you had to wait somewhere, you just sat and you twiddled your thumbs. Well, now people have inserted a phone in that same place. We don't call it twiddling thumbs, we call it scrolling screens or swiping left or right. That's what we do to pass time. It's just twiddle our thumbs. But that's not to be the description of our time as we wait for our life to be revealed in Christ. It's not a twiddling your thumbs time. It's not a scroll screening time. The why of doing everything in the name of Jesus is because this is a time where we are called to represent Jesus in this world. Oh, it's been secured. Our life is hidden in Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, in fact, even this day, if you say, you know, I've, I've been holding off, but gosh, I, I feel this, I, I feel compelled. I, Jesus, I want to follow you, and thank you for dying for me, and I, I get to have new life in you, and my life is already hidden in heaven with you, and, and, and now I'm not a thumb twiddler. I'm one who lives for Jesus in this world. We do all in his name because in some ways we're already with him in heaven. All right, so let's hit pause number two. We've done Pause number one, we agreed on just the basic meaning of, uh, of Colossians 3.17. We did our first point, which was truth, and the truth of why we would even want to live in the way of Christ. So our second pause, I want to dig a little deeper into what it looks like to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. We've already mentioned the words in verse one, if you have been raised. We already said it's that grammar, it's that construction. Yes, you have. Yes, you've already been since you've already been raised. When uh, we were up at my friend's cabin, Steve's ca cabin, he brought his golden retriever, three-year-old golden retriever with him. Her name was Lucy, right? And so Lucy's just a, a great dog. And I found myself a good number of times just doing that classic thing, you know, the dog comes over to you and it's all, ha and you just kind of rub it right around its neck like this and you go, who's a good dog? Who's a good dog? And you are. You just, it begs the answer. This, this, the thing, it's statement, it begs the answer. Who's a good dog? You're a good dog. Well, the way that Paul writes this, if you have been raised, since you have, who's been raised? Whose life is hidden in heaven? Oh, yours. Your life is hidden. If you're a follower of Jesus, your life is hidden in heaven. And so what we find then in, in uh, verses 1 and 2, it, it goes on to say, seek the things that are above. If this is you, then seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, where your life is hidden. It goes on to say, set your minds on things that are above, where your life is hidden, where my life is hidden. Do you get the, 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 the uh, pulling together of these two ideas? So the seeking is a pursuit. It's a heart, it's a, it's a heart issue, that pursue. Make this, your, make this your number one priority. Seek the things that are above. Set your hearts... Uh, Set your minds on things that are above. So heart and mind, heart and mind, that they go together. 
We could talk about it in terms of pursuit and thinking, orientation and lens, that we would orient ourselves at every moment of any given day, no matter where we are, no matter what day it is, no matter what time it is, that we would orient ourselves and that we would see things. We would have those lens of the kingdom of heaven as we look at things. It's alignment and understanding. Who's already living in heaven? Well, in some ways, it's you. If you're a follower of Christ, who's already living in heaven? It's me. It's available to anyone who says yes to Christ. So live. This is the other side of it. So live according to who you are. One whose life is hidden in Christ, in God. That's our second pause. It's time for our second point. Treacheries. Treacheries. Reading the deceptive from within us. There's a definition. You can find it online too. It's one of those ones that just pops up. A treachery is a betrayal of trust, a deceptive action or nature. So when we look at the second verse of uh, Colossians 3, we find set your minds on things that are above not on things that are on earth. Well, here, we need to make sure we understand it's not talking about a duality, like, like material bad, spiritual good. It's not saying that. It's not that some kind of uh, uh, thinking along the lines of Plato to where everything material is bad and everything spiritual, heavenly is good. But instead, that there are some ways, some priorities, some brokenness, some sin that exists in our earthly connections, our earthly relationship. And, and so there's this calling to set our minds that are th- on things that are above and not on the things, the way of the earth, the way of the sin, the way of this brokenness that we share in. And the way that Paul then goes on to describe it, remember we talked about the, the, the sandwich or the bookends to that section, that, that part in the middle. Paul goes on in that middle to describe what some of these betrayals are. Listen to the kind of uh, feeling that they have to them. He says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. In warning, this list gets nasty. Put to death sexual immorality and impurity and passion and evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. Put to death anger and wrath and malice and slander and obscene talk from your mouth and lying. Put to death the stuff that is out of step with heaven put to death the stuff that is out of step with Jesus put to death the stuff that is out of step with God Vicky and, and I noticed something uh, a number of years back when we went to visit my dad and my stepmom they had a lot of expired food in their pantry and in their refrigerator. Vicki and I have discovered something else. We now have a lot of expired food in our pantry and in our refrigerator. We just don't eat as much mustard as when the boys were around, but we still buy a lot of mustard. You know, there comes a date when you have to look at the expired food and you go, this is no longer any good. And it turns out that the treacheries, they never were any good. So Jesus says, put them to death. Throw them out. 
Rid your pantry of them. Clear out your refrigerator. Get rid of those treacheries that are in your life. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on this earth. Seek the things that are above. Okay, I'm going to hold on to my third pause. I don't want to use my third pause just yet. So let's go to the third point. And the third point is treasures. How to celebrate the ultimate gift. Celebrating the ultimate gift. When we look at Colossians uh, 3 verse 4, we find these words. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. You know, the, the good news is that Jesus came into this world, world. The Word became flesh. Christmas is coming. I'm so excited. I love Christmas. We've already laid out the sermon series. We, we've begun planning events and, and looking at how worship might look and all these kinds of things. We've already been working. I'm so excited. But Jesus came, and he came into this world, and he lived in this world, and he gave his life for this world, and he was raised from the dead. And one day he's coming back, and when he appears... When he appears, then those who follow Christ will appear with him in glory. What is hidden in Christ even now, what is so sure and guaranteed, is exactly what we will become in glory. That's the ultimate gift. And so in our key verse for this morning, in verse 17, we read, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, this is the how. How do you celebrate? Give thanks. But it's also a gift all to itself. And why is it a treasure? Well, you see, there seems to be this connection between gratitude and joy. A connection between gratitude and joy. I just finished listening to a book by Brene Brown, and it's called Atlas of the Heart. It's a tremendous book. Really encourage you to, uh, uh, if, you're, if you'd like to read, it's all about our emotions and, and how they affect us, how they work, uh, uh, based on research. And she quotes from somebody by the name of Robert Emmons, who's also an expert in this area. And um, Together they have this line about gratitude. Listen to this, listen to this. Gratitude extends our appreciation and enjoyment. I'll say that again. Gratitude extends our appreciation and enjoyment. Have you ever gotten something and then maybe you purchased it and you, you got buyer's remorse, remorse soon after? Like, oh, I don't know, I'm not really sure that's what I want. Or maybe you've, you've received something and then all of a sudden, not too much longer, you're just kind of, well, it's up in a closet or stored away in the, in the basement or, or out in the garage and, and your interest is on something else and you're turned to something else. And we can have that tendency in even our relationship with God. That we can, we can come to faith and we can get all excited about, about knowing Jesus and being in this relationship with Jesus. And then as the years go by and the mortgage comes along and job and issues and, and if we have kids in our life or whatever else it might be, we've got hobbies and then we've got all these other agendas that we start doing. And it's not like we don't like Jesus, but he's just no longer the priority that he once was. How do we celebrate? How do we celebrate? In fact, it's a gift and a treasure all to itself. How do we celebrate that one day Jesus is returning and that we're going to appear with him, that that which is hidden will come to life and we'll be able to enjoy which is already true even now? 
It's a call to being grateful. To being grateful. Do you know the parables of the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price? So Jesus with his followers, he tells them these little stories, these little ways of explaining the kingdom of heaven. He goes, listen, the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like, it's like someone who's just walking through a field and they find this great treasure and they, they bury it and they go off and they sell all their stuff. They, come, they buy the field so that they can have the treasure. Someone just walking along. And then the one that comes right after, the story that comes right after is this merchant. So somebody who knows quality. Who knows quality. And they find this pearl of great value and they go and they sell all that they have and they get it. So whether you happen to be one who just, wow, I found Jesus, or better yet, Jesus found me. And you just stumble, and it's like, oh, this is great. Or maybe you're one who's just really thought through it, and you've wrestled for time, and you know, you've looked at philosophies, you've looked at religions, you, and you come to Jesus, and you go, this is different. Either way, whether we just stumble, or we, we investigate, and we find out in this great treasure, and that's the great treasure that we already have in Jesus Christ when we say yes to Christ and to following him, to receiving his grace and his forgiveness. You see, the issue is not that the treasure decreases in value. The challenge is our appreciation of it does. It's not that the treasure decreases in value. The challenge is that our appreciation of it does. And so Paul here encourages us Give thanks. Be grateful. Remember this. Enjoy this. Receive this. Celebrate this amazing gift. All right. Let's use up our third pause. And here we'll simply bring it home. Bringing it home. Let's turn this whole conversation to you and to me. We have been raised with Christ. And our life, your life, my life is now hidden with him. Think about that for you. It's the ultimate swag bag. The best gift we could ever receive. So what are we going to do now that we have the gift? Are we going to seek the things that are from above? Are we going to set our minds on things that are above? Are we going to do all in the name of Jesus? Yes, all, whatever, in word, in action, all, everything. Are we going to give thanks? Let's say we are. Let's say we are. You know, the good news of that then becomes a testimony. We're in a position to be able to share. Someone comes along and they ask us the question, what have you been up to? Or maybe they ask that question. Maybe they ask that question, where are you going? Because of the good news of Colossians 3.17, we can say, I'm going to heaven. In fact, in a very real way, I'm already there. You see, I want God, and therefore I want what God wants for me. I have died with Jesus. I was raised with him. In fact, my life, my eternal life, right now, right this moment, is already hidden with him in God. And when he returns, I'll take hold of what is already mine. Until then, I'm learning. I'm learning to seek the things that are above where Christ is. 
I, I, I'm learning to set my mind on things that are above. I'm learning to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with God. I'm learning to love God with all of who I am and to love my neighbor as myself. I, I, I'm, I'm reaching out. I'm, I'm learning and growing in, my, in, in just what it looks like to make disciples of all people and to help them with their walk with God. In fact, I, I'm learning about presenting my body as a living sacrifice every day for this, the, this Jesus who loves me and gave his life for me. I'm being transformed by the renewal of my mind. You ask how I'm doing. You ask where I'm going. This is what's going on in my life. In other words, whatever I do, in word or in deed, I do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father through him. That's where I'm going. That's what I've been up to. We could turn to our friend and ask them, where are you going? Let's pray. Father, you know how we um, seldom take full advantage of what you offer. You know how we can fill our lives with so many earthly things. We set our minds on all kinds of brokenness and sinfulness even. God, would you work that truth deep into our minds and into our hearts that we are yours, that our life is hidden in Christ already, that we've already been raised with him in a very real way, that we would even be able to live into that, even now, that we would be representatives of, this, of the kingdom of heaven right where we live, on Saturdays, on TikTok, when everybody's watching and when nobody's watching. Every single one of us, myself very much included. May we live into all that Christ has established and provided. And may you receive thanks. May the thanks that we offer, may the gratitude that we have in response to all that you have given, would that encourage the joy? Would you work this in our midst? And God, for the person here in this room, if there's anyone in this room that is wondering about their walk with you, would you hear them as they join with me even in these words that I give my life to you? I am sorry for my love affair with this world, for the ways of this world. Please forgive me. And thank you for dying on the cross, paying the penalty that was deserved to me. And the fact that you were raised from the dead and with you I am raised as well. And Jesus, thank you that one day you are coming back and you will make all things new. And so until that time, even now, I give you my life. To you be the glory. We pray this in Christ. Amen.